All right. I am so fascinated with Emil. I called him Emily last week. Emil Rattleband. That's his name. I'm so fascinated by what he was saying. I'm so fascinated by this interview. I couldn't stop watching interviews of him. Because what, you know, we laugh at him. It's so funny. A guy wants to change his age or whatever. But there's something of what he's saying that's true for all of us in a way. He wants to do something that's true for him. He's saying, I want to do me. Like, I don't want someone else to tell me how I should live or how old I am. I want to do me. I want to do what's true for me. We laugh and we think it's extreme. But in reality, a lot of us do that for different things in our lives. We find out we're very creative people. And we're able to justify what we want to do. What's true to us, we do what's best for us. I want to do me. And that's why this is such a trending hashtag. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what's best for me. And I don't need the government or the, the guy was saying, I don't need the, the church or the government to tell me how old I am. If I feel this way, I have every right to be true to myself. I talked about a couple weeks ago, I was fascinated by this ideology because I was uh, I was listening to Miss Oprah Winfrey and she was giving her acceptance speech uh, in January this year, in January 2018, at the Golden Globe. Uh, Golden Globe. Uh, and as she was giving her speech, she kept on saying, you know, you have to do what, what's true to yourself. Do what's true to yourself. That's extremely relative. And and not just that, but when I start doing what's true to me, you know what's true to me? Doing what's best for me only. Because at the core of all of us is doing what's true to me. Like thinking about what's best for me, what's best for me, how do I look in front of other people, what's me, me, me. Like our entire focus, when we think about it, when we're by ourselves, everything is about ourselves. Because that's who we are. Our, our natural nature is that. But reality, we're called to be supernatural. Our natural state is thinking about us, is me, my pride, I'm going to do me. But the reality is, we're designed for something so much more. We're designed for the supernatural. To give you a little evidence of this, every now and then, there's a little bit of guilt, or there's a little bit of inspiration inside of us that feels like, you know what, I feel like I should give That person doesn't have it all, this group doesn't have it all, or whatever. We feel guilty. We see somebody that's in need, and we give just to pat ourselves on the back and to make ourselves feel good, or to remove that guilt that's inside of us. I can sit here right now. I can post any pictures. I can show you an inspirational video right now to to fill you with guilt to the point where I just need to pass a bucket, and we can fill that bucket up with money. I can easily do that. But our goal, that's just giving. What I'm here is not to tell you a, a thing to do. What I want to share in the next 20 minutes is what to be. That's the entire focus of this series, one part three, of I'm going to do me, what, instead of just doing what's best for me, maybe we're called to something so much more. What we think is natural, doing what's doing best for me, maybe our supernatural state we're trying to pursue is us not to just give spontaneously, but to live a generous You know, someone that lives generous, someone that lives a generous life, they never, like, if I show them some things, like, I, you know, you should feel bad because they don't have anything, whatever. They're not filled with guilt. They're not filled with guilt. Why? Because they're already living a generous life. They're already understanding what I have is not really mine. I, I didn't gain anything to get this. Like, this is not mine. Everything I have is, 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 is loosely I hold on to. I'm just a manager. I'm holding on to something and I give it. I don't own anything. I'm just a manager. And I delegate what's been given to me. They never feel guilt. Because they don't just live a spontaneous, random acts of giving life. They live a generous life. Take me on this promise. Take me on this promise. I promise you this two weeks ago. I promise you, if you pursue a generous life, this will be true to you. When you become generous, you will give more, you will save more, and you will consume 
less. When you live a generous life, you will give more, you will save more, and you will consume, and you will consume less. For those that have an interest in who Jesus is, for those who want to pursue Jesus, Jesus actually adds an extra line of promise and a guarantee to you. That if you live a generous life, I guarantee you, you will be happy. With Jesus, the one who came to give us the fullness of life, the one to, to restore us and to show us how we can live like our, our original state for us to be to live how we're intended to live. That if I pursue him, and if I live a generous life, then I will actually be more happy because I'm living a generous life. That is how I find the fullness of life. Jesus said these words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Many, Maybe a lot of us don't know that's in the Bible. But that's a common saying. You know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, when someone says, oh, thank you so much for this gift, or thank you for doing this, you really shouldn't have. Oh, you know, it's more blessed to give, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we kind of just throw it around everywhere. But when Jesus said that, he's not talking about that, you know, I, I want to give so I can feel good about myself. It's not like it's more blessed to give because it makes me feel good about myself. It's not talking about that. What Jesus is saying that it's more blessed to give than to receive. He's talking about if I understand and I organize my life around living a life of generosity, this, this is how I'll be more happy. The word blessed just means happy in this context. The Greek word says happy are those who give instead of receive. It's more, it's more, you're more happy when you give than receive. Not just like giving a, an isolated thing or doing this random thing to make you feel good about yourself. But if I rotate my life, my mentality, my finances, my relations around the point of giving, 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 this is how I will find highest state of happiness. This is the guarantee that Jesus makes. For 90% of Americans, for 90% of Americans, Statistically, 90% of Americans, there's one word that rotates around finances more than any other word. Anyone want to guess what that word is? Oh, yeah, that taxes is a great guess. It is the word worry. When we think of finances for 90% of Americans, statistics show that worry comes along with it. Will I ever be able to pay off this car? Will I ever pay off this loans? How will I be able to afford this? Can I be able to make pay off the credit cards this week? Like it, it, it's, everything rotates around the word worry when we start thinking of finances. And you know what's our go-to when we start when the worry gets once we start getting worried about finances? What's our go-to thing in America? Well, you know, if I just spend more, like this will help kind of resolve like my issue. And whatever we make, we try to equal this, either I spend the same as much as I make or, for many of us, spend more than we make. Like we have this worry, will I be able to get this, will I be able to get that, will I be able to pay this off, will I be able to do, allow my kids to do this? And once the worry sets in, then it triggers another natural response of, okay, well, maybe if I just spend more, this will help with the worry. That triggers another thing. When I spend more than I make, then I ended up with guilt, sorry, with debt. And I started having debt. It's piling up because I'm spending more than I make. Then the debt that accrues, then I have no margins in my life. I have no margins in my life. And I have no cushion room or no boundaries set for me financially. And then once we realize, oh, I have no margin for this or for that, then what does that trigger? Worry. 
And it becomes an endless cycle for 90% of Americans. But you know, when we talk about worry, like what is it, like what are we actually worried about? When we say we're talking about worry, we're talking about future consumption. We're worrying about, will I able to afford Will I ever be able to afford this car? Will I be able to get a bigger house? Will I ever be able to tell my kids to do this? Like, it's always about worrying about future consumption. When I start worrying about my finances and worry about where things are going financially, I'm worrying about, will I ever be able to get this? Will I ever be able to do this? We're talking about, we're worrying about future consumption of different things. And then that worry allows me to consume or triggers me to consume more than I can afford. And then when I consume more than I can afford, then I'm having consumer debt. Then the, the debt I have is a consumer debt. And then I have no margin for future consumption. And then when I have no margin for future consumption, then that allows me to worry. If I were to ask you, how much more money would you need to make? How much more, much more money would you need to make for you to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop spending as much as I do. Now I don't need to spend as much as I make. Now I don't need to do that anymore. Now I have some cushion. What, what would be that number? It would be that you, you get a, a, a 5% salary increase, 10%, 25%. The reality is there is not a number that would make you say, you know what, now I can take it easy. I don't need to spend as much as I do. There isn't a number. Because this is a mindset. This is a mindset. It's not about a dollar amount. It's not about how many zeros are going to be added. It's not about the bonus. It's not about the pay increase. The problem, it's a self-control issue. For me, to, 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 that I'm spending more than I make, it's a self-control issue. Nothing to do with the amount of money. If I just make this much more, I'll be able to pay off the credit cards. If I make this much more, I don't need to open another credit card. I don't need to make the bare minimum anymore. What would be that number? You just get that job, maybe you get a second job, maybe if you get if you do this on the side. What is that number? There is no number. The whole debt issue is a content issue. I'm not content with what I have. But I'm always wanting more, which triggers more debt. What would be the amount for you to say, you know what, I, I, I if I make this much more, then I can start having some cushion in my finances. Then I can have some some margin just in case for anything. I can have margin for vacation, I can margin for different things. If I just have this much more, there is no number. There is no number. As much as you want to tell yourself, all of this rotates around a mindset. It has nothing to do with the exact amount. The margin, it's a discipline issue. It has nothing to do with a money issue. It's a discipline issue. Worry. Worry is not a money problem. Worry is a spiritual problem. Worry is a spiritual problem. Even Jesus said, even Jesus told his followers, you guys are worrying about, like, you, do not worry. You're, you're worrying about, like, the things that just come and go. You're worried about riches instead of you focusing on the one who richly provides. You're worrying about the riches instead of focusing on the one who richly provides. And when you're sitting, like, this is crazy. Like, this is nuts. Like, but this is a 90% of Americans focus on this. Why? Because I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what's best for me. And we get into this endless cycle that we can't get out of it. It's an appetite that continues to grow. We have an appetite to consume, consume, consume. Think of the terms we use. Like we use, oh, you know, I have disposable income or fluid income that comes, like we're talking about from a consumer mentality. It's easy for me to like, uh, this is disposable income. Like we're, our entire mindset is about me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. If it's coming my way, then it has to be for me. And it just gets us into this endless cycle. 
There is not a zero that can be added to your salary for you to get out of this cycle. As much as you tell yourself. If I just get this pay raise, if I get this promotion, if I just get this new job, then this will allow me to get out of the cycle. There is no number. Because it is a mindset. It is a spiritual problem. Many of us have something called the consumption assumption. The consumption assumption. That since it's been given to me, then it is for me. That if, if I have it, then it is for me. It's, it's my right, it's my obligation, it's my privilege to dispose it, for me to use it as I wish. The churchy word for that, that Jesus says, is the word greed. Greed. If someone told you, you know, I think you're greedy. No, I don't, maybe nobody would ever tell you that. But you know what? That's one of the hardest things for you and for me to see in the mirror. Because it's like, if someone came up to me and says, well, Father Nathaniel, you're pretty greedy. What's the first thing that I would think? Well, I did this thing for that one person. I went to go visit that person. You know, I did this for there. I gave that person money. Like, I'm not greedy. Like, I, I give. I give. And we think of that one time that I did this one thing to, to prove to myself that I'm not greedy. I'm not talking about isolated events and random acts of giving. What I'm talking about is a life of generosity. My goal is for us to just think. This week, I'm not telling you to do anything different in your finances. But just for the next seven days, because we're going to dive deeper into this next Sunday. Just think. Like, just think, where am I in this cycle? Or am I in this cycle in the first place? And catch yourself. Like, the, when you're wanting to give, wanting to live a life of generosity, wanting to kind of, to say, you know, what I have is, what I, what, I, what I have is not mine. And you're wanting to give. But there's inside of you saying, well, you know what, I should save just in case because of this. And, you know, what if we get this? So I need to save and I need to, I'm, I'm saving. Saving is good. Saving is good. We'll talk about that next week. But if there's something inside of you saying, you know what, it's, I, I want to consume because I want to get this. Catch yourself. Are you putting yourself into the cycle of worrying about money that triggers you to spend more than you make, which leads into debt, which allows you to have no margin? Catch yourself if you're finding yourself in the middle of this cycle. For three years, Jesus gave various analogies, various analogies to drive different points home. To teach various divine truths, he would use different imageries, different analogies. And many of us know it as parables. So one parable that Jesus gave, he gave his disciples and he gave them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. So even 2,000 years ago, the rich are getting richer. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, you know, what, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Like I got all this stuff now, like what should I do? Should I go get like a storage unit? Should I get a bigger house? Like, what should I do? Like, since I have all this stuff. He ended up doing what he's already doing. What he ended up doing is something of a cycle that he is already in. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. You know what I do? I'll just build something bigger and better to store up. Because, you know, I worked hard for this. You know, I'm going to store all of it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy all of it because I worked hard for it. This is mine. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many you, you have many good laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, chill, be merry. You do you. You worked hard. Like this is yours. But God said to him, ooh, this night, your soul will be required of you. Then those 
then whose will those things be which you have provided? What is Jesus saying? What you have is not really yours. What you have that you think is, is your identity, is a, that's going to give you comfort, that's going to that's, that's give you, that's your retirement plan, that, that's your solid walk, is that. All that's nothing. Like, you, you, you didn't work anything, but all, all that's going to be given away. Then Jesus says this. He, tells, he gives an analogy, then he tells his disciples, this is how it will be. This is how it will be. What is he telling his disciples? This will occur of you. If you think that your identity, if you think that you doing you, you do what's best for you, if you think that's what's going to keep you safe, that's what's going to give you prestige, that's what's going to give you status, if you think that's what's going to make your life comfortable, do you think that's where it is? Without you knowing, your life will be taken away and you will drown in it. If you find yourself in that cycle. You know, Jesus uses this analogy. Because he taps into something that's true that every single human can relate to and every single human knows is true. If it can be taken away, if something can be taken away from me, then I never really owned it in the first place. If something can be taken away from me, then I never really owned it in the first place. If something can easily come and go, then I never owned it in the first place. And Jesus is making that point with this imagery, with this analogy, with this parable. He's making the same thing for us. If something can be easily taken away from me, then I never owned it in the first place. Generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. Generous people, people that live a generous life, understand that what they have is not, they're saying, this is for me to consume, this is mine, this is mine. Generous people think like managers, not owners or consumers. Generous people think, you know what, I've been giving this certain thing. You know what, I, 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 I did this small thing for school, I did this small thing for my job, you know what, and I've been given this, but you know what, I have to manage it. Generous people think like managers, not owners or consumers. All I'm asking, for all of us to think this, including myself, is my finance, the way I view my money, the, view, the way I view my stuff. Am I viewing it as a manager, or am I viewing it as an owner or a consumer? The central piece of our pursuit of God occurs on Sunday mornings when we gather around the table of the Lord, when we celebrate the Eucharist, when we celebrate the liturgy. This has been practiced from the very first century of Christianity, when they got together to break bread. And 2,000 years later, we do the exact same thing. One of our ancient prayers that we pray in the liturgy is this. Lord, fill our hearts with joy and gladness. That we too, having sufficiency in everything, always may abound. With what I have, always may, so I can be abound and I can be able to do good deeds. I want to be sufficient with what I have, so I can avoid myself getting into the cycle. Fill my heart with joy and gladness that we too having sufficiency and everything. If I see what I have, and I see, you know what, I'm not, I don't own this. This was given to me and it could be easily taken away. But help me to look at this stuff as a manager. 
Help me to manage this stuff. Because Lord, you, you are the CEO. You're in control of all. Help me manage it the way I need to. I want to be generous, not with my stuff, with my time, with me being attentive, being there, present with my friends, with my family, especially this coming. How can I be? How can I be generous with who I am and generous with my money and understanding what I have is not mine, and it can easily be taken away. The Lord fill my heart with joy and gladness that we too can have sufficiency and everything. Let's stand up, folks. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in Lord, all of us fall, can easily fall into the trap of just more stuff, my things, wanting this, wanting that, wanting the bigger phone, bigger car, whatever it is. We're all tempted to do that. And thinking if we just have more money, if we just do this, this will help us get it. But in reality, this leads us into a cycle of us just doing us us just thinking what's true to myself and me doing what's true to me. But help us to realize that we are designed to live for something so much more. Help us to live a generous life. Help us have clarity of us living a generous life, not just with our money, but with our time and our in every aspect of who we are. Help us to realize what we have that we are just managers of. And we'll be asked, how did we manage this thing? Help us not just be consumers or owners, but managers of what you have given us. Because when I live a generous life, this is where I can find happiness, which only comes to Through the prayers of all your saints, here says we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So we'll talk more about this subject uh, next Sunday. And we'll...